Welcome to the Love and Grace Podcast. My name is Joel Menken. Today we've got Mark Day again. Yo. And I've got Ronnie Barker. Hey. And we are going to have another another lovely conversation about love and grace. And we're going to start off, I mean, Mark and I already answered this previous podcast, but Ronnie, did you grow up in a Christian home? Um... Yes, the difference between the kind of home that I was raised in, my grandmother was Baptist. My grandfather was an ex-Catholic. He had a lot of really negative experiences with the Catholic Church, so he kind of abandoned the whole idea of a church. My mother was very much, she would say spiritual, not religious. You know, that's a very common thing to hear for some people. Um, so in a way I did, but I had various influences of, you know, I don't like the church. Well, I'm in the church. Well, I'm not about the church, but I'm a spiritual person. So kind of this mixture of influences when it came to it. So I did, but at the same time, it, it's a varied question. Okay. Um, what was um, what was that time that you remembered um, accepting Christ in your heart? Well, the... <laughs> or is there a long run up to that? Well, the funny thing about that, um, I never really like had I never said a prayer or anything of that nature um, various things within my life because having um, these different influences and voices that I, I very much loved and respected speaking into my life speaking of things greater than myself when I didn't even really know who I was so I had a challenged upbringing on like who do I believe because I love and respect my grandfather, and he says the church is filled with people who will abuse you. I love my grandmother, but she is very much like, no, you have to go to church. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I was not like that. I didn't like that. Um, My mother being very spiritual-minded meant that, well, you don't have to go to church to believe in God. So there was this these very different things happening inside of me that I'm like, well, I don't know what to believe because I can't really get grounded in a single thing. So I did the only thing I thought was right and I just abandoned everything. And so I was atheistic for the majority of my life. Um, I would humor my grandmother by going to church. Eventually I put up just enough of a struggle that my mom told her like, hey, if he doesn't want to go, it'll make him. Which caused issues between my grandmother and I's relationship. Um, And being atheistically minded, I was still very like critical on thought. Um, I love science. I've always loved science. It was something that I could look at and say, you know, I can see this. So then I can give myself to believing it because it's something that's observable, repeatable. So because of that, I always had the challenge growing up of like, well, how can I believe in divine things when they're supposed to be things you can't see, but they're things you're supposed to just believe and accept? And that really challenged me. It wasn't even limited to just scientific stuff, though, or uh, spiritual stuff, though. Like, I remember having arguments with my high school chemistry teacher because they just kind of assumed certain things within the realm of chemistry because we couldn't see them. a happens, and then C happens, so we can assume that B is happening in between. 
I didn't like that because you're telling me to just believe something that you can't see, but you're assuming. It just re resonated the whole religious jargon that people had been telling me and repeating over and over again. So eventually, through a series of circumstances, I, I remember just kind of surrendering myself to the idea that there might be something to this. That's the closest thing to accepting Jesus in like what common terms would be as I'm really lending myself to the idea of it, mm -hmm. of him. And so it's funny when I think about it, I would tell you now, like, yeah, I've absolutely given my, my life to Jesus to use that kind of language. Um, but that's even that is a much more broader topic that can be expounded on. Okay. What happened in your life where you went from a, you know, I'm just doing what mom and dad and grandma or whatever want me to do to it becoming something that you actually put, it's like, okay, I'm going to accept this personally versus what mom and dad did. Yeah. Um, so kindness actually is what brought me to the idea of it. Um, when I was in high school, I was very much an atheist. I, I would... I remember during lunch class or lunch period, especially, I would sit there and just have these arguments with people who were Christians, and I would call out inconsistencies just because I'm like, you know, how could you not give me an answer? You say you believe this thing, but you don't even know what you believe, mm -hmm. and that kind of reinforced the way I think, to where I'm like, if you can't give me an answer, then I'm not going to believe you. Um, Far too many times having that, like, well, that's a great question. I'll go talk to my pastor and then never having that conversation again. Um, but I remember we had this new kid that came to our school, and um, his name was Mitch. And I could just tell he was a Christian. You just pick it up on people, especially when you're so anti religion. Um, but I could just tell that he was a Christian, just the way he would act and talk. And occasionally he would bring up God. And that just, I was like, well, I have a new target now. So <laughs> I would just be rude to him. I remember he unfortunately rode my bus. So the whole bus ride home, I'd sit there and, and give him all kinds of crap for being a Christian. Uh, I would just pick on him constantly. And I remember specifically there was a moment where he saw me in the hallway and he looked at me and said, Hey, I go to a youth group and I was wondering if you'd want to go with me. And that absolutely floored me because, you know, I'm treating somebody badly. I'm intentionally showing you that I don't like you and I don't want to be around you. Mm -hmm. Yet you're going to invite me to something. You know, that was something that I retained from my grandmother's faith towards the church that she attended was I recognized how important faith was to people even if i wanted no part of it and i thought a lot of it was silly mm -hmm. i recognized that it mattered to them and there are things that mattered to me so i could relate to that so i was surprised that me showing disinterest in him because of his beliefs caused him to actually invite me to a thing that's directly tied to his beliefs so eventually you know after weeks of trying to coax me to go and i would just make up excuses and Eventually, I figured, okay, yeah, I'll go, and then I'll tell him I hated it, and then I can go back to life and go back to just being just a lack of believing in anything and needing to see it in order to 
feel like it mattered to me. Mm-hmm. So ended up going and I had the strangest instance where we were in the basement of this house that was like on the same property as the church. And they had like the, uh, I forget what they're called, but it's like the old projectors where you'd yeah. have like the clear paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. That. yeah. So there was like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. And so they were playing that. So I'm just like, I don't know any of these songs. And, but I would just sit there and just kind of read the words on it. And I had this instance where I just completely cracked on the inside. I completely broke. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know why I felt the way I did. I had a lot of emotional struggles that I was going through at that age. I mean, I was um, experiencing de- like heavy depression. That's something that was common in my family. Um, like fits of rage that had no specific reasoning behind it. You know, things that I would struggle with. And so I bring up all of that because it was kind of like that stuff was coming to the surface and I didn't understand why. You know, why am I feeling this way? And I was just heavily crying during this time of worship music. And everybody there was like, holy crap, what do we do? (laughs) Like the new guy is bawling his eyes out and we don't know him. We don't know what to do. So they just kind of left me over there and they were just unsure. Mm. So then eventually um, service ended. They took me home and my mom worked night shifts. So um, I was just at the house by myself. And I remember sitting there and then out of just out of the blue, that break happens again. And I just cry so heavily um, to the extent it was like a howling cry. It was like everything in me was just like shattering is what it felt like. And this just utterly exhausted me. And I remember I, I laid down in bed after probably two hours of just this heavy crying. Mm. And I remember saying, God, I don't even know if you're out there. But I can't keep going on like this. I can't keep living like this. And then I just passed out. I was just utterly exhausted, passed out. Woke up the next day and I had this emptiness inside of me. But it wasn't an emptiness that was like a hollowed out like void of darkness or or anger. It wasn't anything like that. Mm -hmm. It felt like all of that depression and anger that I had built up for so many years of my life was gone Mm. and so i woke up and i just genuinely felt like i was in a good mood i feel like you know i i feel good right now i feel empty but empty of all that crud that was building up and i remember saying to myself there might be something to this Mm -hmm. and then ever since then it's been a pursuit to see what exactly that means wow wow so going from being with mom and dad was it grandma was pushing you to, to, to church yeah so grandma was the one trying to push me to go towards church um we my mom i have two older sisters we lived with my grandmother um dad still lives in california so, oh, okay um so that's kind of the the, the hierarchy of all of that okay um but yeah when this was going on um, we had moved into my mom had put in like a double wide kind of in the field across to where my grandparents lived. So still close, 
but mm -hmm. all of this had gone on when we were not living with my grandparents at that point. Okay. Obviously now you're you're an adult. How actually how old are you? I am twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yes. What what is some things that happened that got you to a point of understanding about a relationship versus just some force out there that you can't quite understand? Yeah. Um, so that was the interesting thing about my mom's influence on my beliefs, um, because it was when I came into a point where I was actually open to exploring Christianity, I felt like there was this big resurgence of everything that my mom had said growing up. So it's, it's, you know, I, she would tell us over and over again, I want you to know the difference between being religious and being spiritual. So because of that, I really delved into what is the spirituality aspect of Christianity. It's, it's easy to get caught up in, in, you know, you get to church at 10 o'clock, music starts at 10.15, you listen to some songs, you feel good, you like that, you listen to a message, okay, maybe they have an, uh, like a, a song at the end. Um, there's just very systematic ways of Christianity operating, especially here in the West, and I wasn't interested in just systems because mm -hmm. that reminded me of what my grandmother had pushed me into, which kind of reinforced my feelings. My grandfather had spoken into me. So I, I didn't just want to delve into just getting caught up in just that. So I had began to explore you know, what does Christianity look like? And the only thing that I really had any grasp of, and that's nature, because right? mm. science, well, how does Christianity fit into science? Because, you know, th those were things, you know, I knew that I understood science a great deal by that point. So that I'm trying to, how do I see God in that? Because if God's supposed to be everywhere, then I must have just missed him there. So I would kind of revisit a lot of the topics and found out that apparently there's this huge war between Christianity and science that's been going on and something that I started to see was that they are intimately intertwined mm -hmm. it's seeing that you know science and, and faith actually support each other they're not at odds mm -hmm. it's people's systems that are at odds our, our ways of believing that are at odds. So because of that, um, and because you can interact with nature and science, I started to explore the ways that you can actually interact with God in the midst of those things. Um, and so that kind of brought me into this place of like, in my experiences, say this, but even if somebody else's beliefs say otherwise, I'm going to kind of lean in on my experiences. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know if I'm addressing the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just that, that um, was there one thing that you just keep going back to that keeps you going, keeping in a relationship with Jesus, keeping in a relationship with God versus now I'm an adult, I can go do whatever I want. And 
what what is there one thing or has it just kind of been that just an ongoing learning yeah well i would definitely say that it it kind of is the ongoing learning that keeps bringing me back because once i came into a place where i began to kind of put like connecting the dots between the spiritual and the natural then my complete fascination for wanting to just learn more and experience more and see more and do more and taste more like all these things started to realize like oh there's a whole new world out there Mm -hmm. and just realizing like you know spirituality aside the universe is very strange so just the fact that you put a whole nother realm of existence that's so intertwined with that like the everything is so bizarre but it's so beautiful and so interesting and I think the thing that kept bringing me back and would always bring me back, it was it was the curiosity, but it was the, honestly, the intimate love mm. that is just permeating through it. Because essentially, that's, that's what it is. It's, we realize this interconnecting force between all things. It is connected by love. It is moving and having its being through love. Mm-hmm. So then if love is, so to speak, the peanut butter in between everything, Mm -hmm. I want to understand what holds everything together. And I would definitely say that just trying to see deeper and deeper into the depths of what love can be and what love looks like and what, what is love meant to be in our world. Mm-hmm. And then what can we do to imitate that? Because essentially that's that's the call of Christianity. You know, Christians are to be little Christs. We're meant to be the image and likeness of love on the planet. What does it look like for us to do that? And I don't think it's systems. I think it's doing, as one of my friends uh, that I work with says, it's doing really freaking awesome things. <laughs> that's our call mm-hmm. as, as members as brothers and sisters of this union of love that is connected to all things. Where has that led you? What, what is, what is something that you can say that you have done or you've, you've been pushed into because of your perception of the world now? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, so to say all of that, Um, when I decided to actually engage with this pursuit of love, it's actually, we, we often think that love pursues us, but there's, there's this two way street that goes on really Mm -hmm. to where it's, you know, we, we partner with and also pursue this element of love that's going on. And because of that, um, I have been around this country just exploring different things and, it has i've been to um china mm-hmm. in the pursuit of this kind of thing and seeing um what chinese christianity looks like how do they understand things how do they see things and just seeing the beautiful connection that lies within that and realizing that you know love transcends language mm-hmm. you can have people that don't even speak the same language and you can express love mm-hmm. like genuine real love and you don't need to know what they're saying to know who they are 
to know what they're thinking or really just how they're feeling. There's there's this thing that happens. Yeah. So I would say probably one of the one of the go-to memories that I have that really transformed my the way of my pursuit, I guess, mm-hmm. um, really went from this sense of going out and doing kind of the the standard evangelical thing, going out praying for people, you know, bringing souls to Christ, that kind of thing, um, transformed me from from kind of operating in that realm to this live among and live with and that is a way to reach into people and to really embrace them mm-hmm. versus just hey join join the train um, join my cult following right exactly <laughs> join my cult exactly um, which is funny because I, I always especially my wife I tell her all the time I'm like if I ever dress like this person or I ever act like this person who are like known cult leaders I'm like, if I ever seem like that, can you just, can you say something to me, please? (laughs) I don't want to accidentally turn into that. Um, So I remember through, again, a whole series of circumstances. It's always interesting to see um, the ladder that took you there, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, So a whole series of circumstances that ended up with me driving from Quaker City, Ohio, where I used to live before living in Dayton, um, Quaker City, Ohio, to Salem, Massachusetts, leaving at 2 a.m., driving through the night in the rain. It was like an 11-hour drive and drove by myself. Well, what was in Salem? So they have the um, Halloween festival every year. It's essentially, it's a witchcraft festival. Um, but it's not just ho- hocus pocus, you know, hooky spooky things mm-hmm. like that but um so that was going on at this time so um i had gotten an invitation through a friend that was going to be there for some of the um it was like a a worship element to something they were doing there um, a lot of the churches leave salem during halloween mm. because they are too spooked by everything going on they're like we don't want any part of this you know we don't want it so we're just gonna lay low Mm-hmm. for a while or at least during because really october 1st is halloween in salem um and the whole month they celebrate it so i was going there to be a part of the worship event and you know i had my 10 hours of worship music ready to go i had a big 12 pack of diet soda and all the snacks you could imagine because i'm just going you mm-hmm. know it was what am i willing to do for the pursuit mm-hmm and I even remember, like, I was in the middle of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Again, it was, like, middle of the night, and it was pouring down rain. And I'm just like, God, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. I should just call these people that I was going to meet there and be like, hey, you know, something happened. Like, just give them some excuse. Give to them excuse, get, yeah. yeah. To get myself out of this. Because I'm like, what in God's name am I doing? And I remember this moment where... It was like I said that, and I just continued driving. And I felt like God just speak, you're following me. Mm. And it was this moment of, like, I kind of shrugged my shoulders, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going. Mm, yeah. And because that's, that's all I'm 
that's what I'm in for. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to pursue him. I want to pursue God. I want to see, you know, what does this really mean? Mm-hmm. If if it means anything, I want to know what it means. And so driving 11 hours through the night, I get there. Um, and I'm actually there before anybody else was going to be there. So I was like hours early. Oh, wow. Um, to when this, uh, this whole shindig was going to get started. And so I met the pastor of the church that we were at. His name's Arthur. He was a really great guy. Um, gave me a tour of the church. It was a Wesleyan church. It was actually a church that John Wesley had preached in mm. at one point, which I thought was crazy. At least that's what Arthur told me. <laughs> um, um, and so he's like, well, nobody else is here yet, so I'll kind of show you around. And he walked me through um, Essex Street, which is kind of the main street that a lot of the festivities mm-hmm. go on. Mm-hmm. Um, what's cool is a lot, a big portion of Essex Street is the original cobblestone that mm. was in Salem. So wow. you're walking on roads that are hundreds of years old, and it was just really euphoric experience to see that because I love history as well. So, um, so he walks me around and he brings me to a tent of people and he's like, these guys are also staying at the church. So I, you know, you make friends with them if you want. <laughs> and, you know, they all spoke to Arthur and was very like, Hey Arthur, good to see you again. And basically they had a, a tent that was like, um, doing spiritual readings, dream interpretations, um, tattoo interpretations, different kinds of blessings. And I'm just like, what is going on? This is strange. Like, mm. I've, I've never seen this before. And I looked at one of the guys, his name was Peter. And I was like, are you guys Christians? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, we're Christians. We're just, we do things a little differently though. And I was just like, something new, like <laughs> something, something else I can learn. Like, I love this. This is so interesting. So Arthur takes me back to the church and is like, you know, you're welcome to come in and out of the church as you want, but you know, I have to go. So I'm going to be gone. So first thing I do, I go right back to this tent and cause I'm just so interested in what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was almost as if, you know, before I was a believer in God and in Jesus, um, I had one layer of the world to look at. Right. And then when I became a believer, I had another layer of the world to look at. And now I feel like I just found another layer of the world to look at. And it's just like this unfolding book that we're invited into. And it's just so like the depths of it all is just so fascinating. So I go back there and I just kind of hang out with them. And I, I just, they were super welcoming, super friendly people. Uh, my definitely my kind of people. And I just sit there and just watch for a while. And I'm like, I can kind of see what they're doing. You know, spiritual readings, basically they're sitting there and they are just asking the Holy Spirit to speak. I mean, that's the, that's what they're doing. That's okay. Well, I've heard of that. I, the church that I was a part of when I became a believer was a Pentecostal church. So, I mean, I was, that was no foreign matter to me that the Holy Spirit was engaged in, Mm. in day-to-day living. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Hey, can I try? (laughs) (laughs) They were like, they, they were looked a little surprised because there's some random guy off the street that just met them. And they're like, yeah, sure. Come on in, you know, and give it a try. Wow. And coming from a place of like believing that like words of prophecy and and speaking of these things that God just God has something to say to you. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of 
are you listening and are the ways that God is speaking to you, which I think can be different for everybody, um, are we paying attention to those ways? And because of this, um, it's realizing that if people are seeking to find something, it doesn't even have to be bigger than themselves, but really that's the general consensus. It's like spirituality and finding spiritual things, good or bad, is something bigger than just material things. Mm -hmm. And so the premise is that if they're searching, they're going to find a door that will open. Mm -hmm. The matter is, are we going to be willing to open it when they knock on the door? If we truly believe that we are in this mm -hmm. with God, that means that we can open the door. We have a responsibility to it. There's a quote that says that there are no hands of God but ours. There are no feet of God on the earth but ours. Mm -hmm. We are the Christ on the earth. Doesn't mean God's not in, like intertwined in that, but we have a responsibility through mm -hmm. this. So then seeing that people would come in and sit down and like, yeah, spiritual reading, that kind of is what people mm -hmm. look for in Halloween stuff. Mm -hmm. And you get a moment and you're just telling them like, yeah, the spirit of light is saying this or showing me this. The spirit of love is showing me this. You know, only mentioning the name of Jesus because that is such a sensitive word for people that that can actually devastate what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it's realizing that God's a big boy and he's not going to get mad if you don't say his name. <laughs> realizing that, believe it or not, God may actually be bigger than that. Mm. To say that if you say this, he knows, yeah, that's me. If I say spirit of light, it's everything is a type and a shadow that points back to him. Mm -hmm. And realizing that these, you know, these things that looked witchcrafty, Mm -hmm. or that we were doing this in the name of God and seeing the impact that this was doing to people changed me and realized that that was that, was that interaction that I had been looking for of like, you know, I called it machine gun prophesying. It's just like, <laughs> two, you know, people come in and sit down and like you sit there for like X amount of time and you're like, well, I feel like the Spirit's saying this. And you ask them like, does that ring a bell for you like you know you having dialogue and some people would be like nope don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah, it sounded cool and then other people would be breaking down crying because mm -hmm. it's like how could you possibly have known that and then we had some people that would be like how do you do this I'm like well we're christians and then you know the people that would try and give us five dollars and we're like no we don't do this for money if you want to donate you can but we're just doing this to give people an, an encounter Mm -hmm. with God wow I, I'm just thinking back of those times that the time that we Mark and I our band met you and I remember we're going to this um, event up in up in uh, up on Kelly's Island um, up in Lake Erie and I was like, oh, this guy that we met is going to be there. This guy, this guy. Everybody's <laughs> raving about you. I hadn't met you up to this oh, point. They, right. I guess a few of them. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Lindsay and Theus. And really, I knew Lindsay for, well, I technically, okay, well, James. I've known James longest out of anybody here in Dayton. Mm -hmm. I knew Lindsay um, through a youth event that was going on in Columbus. And that's how I met her. 
then we had become friends. Then I came over to Dayton to visit all of you guys because I remember like a short worship moment that was going on during Elevate mm-hmm. is what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these people are amazing. I just want to be around them. I was just attracted to them, gravitating towards you guys. And really, that was ver- that's almost verbatim what happened in Salem. So I, I knew the feeling of like, no, I want to I know these people. I want to mm-hmm. know what they're about. And so I met her, and then I remember sending Theus like an impromptu message of like, hey, you don't know me. <laughs> Can I stay at your place tonight? Because I don't have anywhere to stay. I'm not from here. And, you know, Theus, I mean, he absolutely, he's talked to Daisy for a couple seconds, like, I guess, and was like, yeah, sure, come on over. <laughs> and, you know, we talked, and we just stayed up late because it was just talking and talking and talking we're just so many interests that are in so many different areas um and so just kind of connecting dots there and i remember just off the cuff i was just kind of like yeah i play guitar if you guys ever need anything because he mentioned that you guys had a band Mm -hmm. i was like yeah i play guitar a little bit and he's like yeah okay well, actually, <laughs> there's this thing that's going on here soon, and if you want to be a part of it, come, you know, come on in. Just very invitational. Mm-hmm. And I, he had never heard me play guitar before. I could have known, like, two notes <laughs> or, like, kind of how to smack on the guitar a little bit. So, excuse me. Um, so he kind of gives me this address, and he's like, hey, meet me at this place at this time. And so... That was its own little adventure, but yeah, I I got to the uh, the ferry, and I was like, I don't know any of you guys, <laughs> so I kind of stuck around Lindsay, and I would be around Theus occasionally, just because I'm like, these are the only people I know, mm-hmm. and I'm incredibly social, but when I people I don't know yet, I want to take time to kind of observe and see, like, okay, what's the best way to interact? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you go in guns blazing and some people will be like yeah that's great and other people are like no i don't want to talk to you <laughs> it's too much please go away and so yeah I, I had forgotten that i had only met a couple of you at that point yeah so, so that was that was interesting because you know well we're we're getting on the the ferry i, I meet this guy in a jean jacket that's right. I'm like, what's oh, okay, whatever, let's go. And we get on the ferry and get across to the island and then start loading in all of our stuff. And, you know, Ronnie's got his stuff and we got our stuff. And then we start to play. And I'm like, oh, great, this is great. Someone that knows how to play. And we just go, <laughs> just go for it. So that turned into a, that was a, a weekend. That was a wonderful weekend. And really, it's just an amazing time, mm-hmm. just of a worship, and then b you know ministering to kids, you know besides just the worship time. So um, kids. <laughs> uh, was it, that was a great time. So just having having that, and then. Um, coming back to Dayton and we'd hear from you every once in a while and there was a an event you said oh, it was happening at your church it's like oh you've got uh, you guys yeah. you guys have got to come play for this event we're going to have some sort of uh prophetic something event yeah. and I'm like okay sounds interesting yeah. and we 
we plan for it and go and you're like water's like hey guys we're gonna do this and hey we're gonna do that and it's like oh this is gonna be great and you're you were wired i didn't know any of the guest speakers i didn't know of any of the guest speakers me too <laughs> say, um, the first one um who thankfully has agreed to be on the show here soon um be on the podcast um dang brought brought some revelation of stuff that we had never ever thought of and that was so crazy um but we wouldn't have been there if that wasn't for you <laughs> and then not too long after that you just uh what was it you, you were talking to theus about wanting to to move oh go and go and bring that up to what to move to dayton the move to dayton that you made Oh. Out of, like, nowhere. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, and that was the funny thing, because that whole event that we're speaking of, um, that absolutely wrecked me in the sense of, like, I don't know, there there is a, a Hillsong song, a Hillsong song, <laughs> that... Um, totally forgetting the name of it now. I know Theus absolutely loves it, but it's kind of like you lifted me up out of the ashes. Mm. Okay. And, I think I and out of the wreckage. You know that? The aftermath? Is yeah, aftermath. aftermath yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so it's so funny how in the, in the scope of, of Christianity in a personal sense, um, you will experience aftermath after aftermath, which is kind of a strange way to put it. Because you go through, you go through your beliefs and you will experience things that challenge what you believe and really will attempt to destroy what you think you know in the name of building up higher truth. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because when I think of that whole experience that I went through, which I'll go into, I think of that song mm -hmm. because the messages that went on in there is like, you know, you were holy and you were clean. And I was like, oh, that's nice, but I don't believe it. And when, like for the times after um, they had left, that is all my church was saying. It's like, don't forget you're holy and clean. You're holy and clean. Don't forget you're holy and clean. And I was just, I got to the point where I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, stop saying that because I, how can that be true? Because the narrative of Christianity is we're dirty sinners and that we're lucky if we are, you know, made clean in his image, which will only happen after we die, which is kind of like, kind of pointless for us right now. Mm -hmm. So then how could you say that I'm holy and I'm clean now? Because like that doesn't make sense to me because it goes against all of those teachings that I'm just used mm. to hearing from various sources. Um, so because repetitively hearing that after that, after that, after that, there was um, the power and love conference that ended mm. up in Dayton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is where that all came into like a spearhead. For me. So you had traveled all the way from Cambridge? Yeah. To Dayton for yeah, that event. For that event. That and I stayed too. here. So that event, um, 
I, and it's funny because the moment where it all kind of hit me wasn't even like the teachings was great. You know, Todd yeah. White was there. Some, some of these other people were yeah. there. Um, but it wasn't even the teachings that, you know, really hit me. It was a moment during a worship song. And so what happened was I, I was up front and I was just like praying for people. I was doing the thing and it just felt really good. And then I sit there and I'm like, you know what? My voice is completely shot. So I need to just, I'm just going to worship. And they started playing Good, Good Father, which was, I mean, even at that point, way overkilled in, in Christian medias. Um, it's the anthem, bro. Yeah, yeah, right. It was still a fantastic song. I mean, we need more songs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I remember I was, like, just worshiping, had my hands up, and then I felt like God say, go to the back. And I'm like, you know what, God, you're right. I should go to the back and pray for everybody and up front. And it's so funny how we do that. And that happens in Scripture all the time, too, which is its own conversation. But I go to the back, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pray. And then he was like, close your eyes and just, just worship, just be with me. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was during this time, I was having these moments with God during my own personal worship time where I would envision Jesus standing in front of me and we would just kind of dance mm-hmm. kind of like a, how a man and a woman would just have that real elegant, just mm-hmm. ballroom dancing, but not crazy. Um, and I remember that the hand positions were always like my hand would be on top and, you know, just cause I'm a guy. So you would take the guy's position. And I remember in the moments like that, Jesus was kind of motioning like, no, you know, I lead and his hand would be on top. So you kind of, you're, you're taking the feminine role and really the, the role that is you're led through the dance. Mm -hmm. And so I had that started to play, play out during this part of the song. And I remember that we were kind of having this dancing moment and then he stopped and he just stood there and looked at me. And it was during the part where he says, um, it's the part of the song, it's the bridge. Uh, Gosh, it's like you're, you're perfect, perfect in yes. all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. And Jesus was singing this to me. Mm. And I was like, I started crying and I became angry with myself because I'm like, how I can argue with people easy i can do that for days and days and days i kind of like it but how can i argue with what i feel god is saying to me Mm -hmm. because if people are saying you're all you're holy and clean i'm like nope you're reading it wrong but if god says you're holy and clean you can't really tell him he's reading it wrong he wrote it kind of yeah he kind of influenced the whole thing yeah so then i'm sitting here thinking like how like i'm mad at myself because i'm like if I'm holy and clean, then why have I believed that I'm just a broken, dirty mess this whole time? And that's kind of where that song comes into play, because it's in the wreckage of my belief. It was me that he pulled out. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't my beliefs. God didn't come to save our beliefs. It was actually our beliefs that killed God. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in the wreckage of me believing these things that are just are not true... It was me that he pulled out. The real me, who is holy and is clean, despite the things that people will point at and say, this is why you're wrong. 
but when God says something, it carries a little bit more weight. Yeah. I remember you telling me there was a time that, that God told you to move. Yes. Let's 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 hit that one. Let's hit that one. Yeah, so it was January. I'm not good with dates, but it was a January. <laughs> and I was living at home and I was I felt like God say I want you to move in January. And I'm like, God, that's that's this month. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't get rid of it that fast. That's so amazing. I love it. And then I had this moment of like reality kind of sank back in and I'm like there's far too much that needs to happen before I can move. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like I'd say, like, I mean, next January. <laughs> <laughs> and how often does that happen in life? And um, so then I felt like I had a one year to prepare myself to move and to give as much of what I have learned up until this point. Because I hadn't moved to Dayton yet, even after the whole power and love thing. Mm-hmm. I had a year to pour into the people around me, um, the youth group that I was helping mm. lead and oversee like all of these different things I had a year to pour into so I had a time frame and I'm like alright I can I can work with this um, so over the course of the year I would just constantly hammer that I was I would just want to spend time with people and tell them how good they are instead of how much you need to accept Jesus because you're a filthy mess and it was just this this progression over the year of like me growing in these beliefs and these, these newfound truths that I feel God has spoken to me and sharing the fruit of that. Mm -hmm. And so it was this, it's a year of giving away actually. And so that became, I don't want to say difficult, but it was hard because so many relationships in the midst of this became so much stronger. And so then when the end of the year happens, it became a lot more difficult to leave. Mm-hmm. But the good side is those relationships are still very strong. And mm-hmm. I imagine that if I had not done uh, or operated the way I had in that year, those relationships would not be strong, mm-hmm. as strong as they are now. Um, yeah, well, along those lines, I remember from Dayton's point of view, yeah. From us over over here, like, oh, Ronnie's coming, Ronnie's coming, Ronnie's coming. He's he's moving January one, like, awesome. And then we start we start formulating a plan. It's like we're gonna go help him move at midnight, January <laughs> one. Well, see, what's funny is I didn't know that you guys were planning this until like I think literally the day before. Mm-hmm. Like the last day of December, I get a text and they're like, Hey, we're coming to get you. And I'm like, what? God said January. And they're like, I know tomorrow at midnight is January. And I was just dumbfounded a, because then I had to like pack up all my stuff in a, in less than a day. And I was just like, Oh crap. I need to, I need to start hustling. <laughs> and my poor mother, oh, and I broke it to her. I'm like, Hey, by the way, they're coming to get me. She's like, what? Because, you know, I was a big mama's boy growing up, and she had been such an influence on me how to be loving and compassionate. So it was like she didn't have time to deal with the Band-Aid just getting ripped off, which is probably better for her, I think. Um, but, yeah, literally it was, I mean, right on the dot at midnight, a caravan of vehicles show up. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, the people would even, like, do this for me. Like, it was just one of those things that, like, 
I had had like very strong relationships, but then to find a collection of people that are like, we so badly want you to be with us Mm -hmm. that we're willing to drive three hours out of where we live into the middle of nowhere, mind Mm -hmm. you, and pack up all your stuff and hey, let's go, let's go home. And I was just like, my heart was just, even now I'm like revisiting those feelings Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, that was such an amazing display of, of invitation to be a part of, not just a part of what was going on in Dayton, but to be a part of you guys' lives. That was, yeah, that was a, an amazing trip, you know, showing up, helping you pack everything up as quickly as we could. And then driving on our way back to, back to Dayton. Yeah. But yeah. And, it's interesting that those those stories all just kind of pile in together and it's just one big I, I love how this this is all tied in we we're all really close friends because of the situations we've been through um the, the, just love looking back and seeing what god has done and excited for what's next mm-hmm so there are tons and tons of more stories we are going to be able to tell here in the future. Um, but we're going to start to wrap this up. So um, this, is, this is a wonderful time, Ronnie. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. Thank, Thank you, Mark, you. for coming out. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I didn't let Mark talk at all. Uh, I, uh, I expected it. I was more annoyed with my chair because, like, I kept, like, doing this. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's squeaking. <laughs> so, um, guys, there's more coming. Um, I've got um, one guest I know is coming on, and that's going to be an amazing guest. Um, but... These guys, these guys will be back. This, this is not like the one and only time they'll be on. So, um, Theus will be back on, and probably their wives, Ronnie and Theus's Mark hasn't, and nor have I yet. So. I'm a girlfriend's brother. <laughs> counts. Dang. <laughs> Got called out. Oh, that hurt. Called out. Oh. oh goodness, I don't know if I want my wife on here. That's a scary thought. She got dirt on me. That's the best time. That's the scary <laughs> She's got her own little notepad of stupid stuff that I've said. I'm just like, please delete this. Oh, imagine <laughs> Daisy and Theet. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> so anyways, again, guys, thank you for joining. Um, more on the way. Remember to subscribe, like, share, all that fun stuff. And thank you for joining us right here on on the Love and Grace podcast. (laughs) Love you guys. Bye.